right, well, good morning. Good to see everyone out this morning. Thank you for being here in the house of the Lord. Let's go ahead and get started with a word of prayer. Brother Jimmy, sir, would you please open us up? Father God, we thank you, Lord, for this day of life. And thank you, Father, for the Sabbath that we might gather in and worship and praise, Lord. Amen. We just ask, Lord, that you bless us with your presence that we hear from heaven, Lord, and uh, receive a message from you. We thank you for your love, your mercy, and grace, Father. We give you all the praise and glory and honor comes from things done here today. In Jesus' precious name we pray and ask Amen. Morning. Hope everybody had a pretty good weekend. Of course, now everybody's tired because of the time change. <laughs> so, let's go ahead and turn over to 157. Grace greater than all our sin. We're going to be thankful for the Lord coming to give us grace and mercy and take our sin. Two pages over. 159. 
recognized quite really, but this is a good one.
All right, let's turn over to 161. A couple more pages over. Staying a little short in the hymn book today. So. This one is a uh, old one as well, but it reminds us that when we're down and out and we need someone to be there, we have that one friend. That friend is Jesus. And we can call on him and say, I need some help, Lord. I need you closer than a brother. I need you as of my friend today. So. Appreciate you being here this morning. Hope and pray that you've found a friendly church this morning if you're visiting with us. And uh, hope and pray that you've been blessed already for being here this morning. I was talking to uh, Miss Marla Kirby back there, and uh, she was telling me uh, to pray for her baby sister. Uh, her name is Melanie, and uh, um, she found out yesterday that she has cancer all over. And so I'm going to ask that you would pray for Melanie. I had prayer with her back there. and uh, But I would ask that you pray for Melanie, pray for Marla, and uh, John, and the Kirby says they, uh, they are praying for their uh, sister. And again, I do appreciate you being here this morning. Good to have visitors with us this morning. And it's always good to have our home folk with us. Thank you again for being here. I was praying about what to bring before the message for this morning. And the Lord started dealing with my heart about this thought of obedience. Obedience. 
many times we think of obedience as, a, uh, as it applies to children. Uh, we sing children's songs, uh, obedience is the way, uh, is the very best way to show that we believe and, and we, we apply it to children very often. And children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Uh, the Bible says, children, obey your parents in all things for this is well pleasing unto the Lord. But the fact of the matter is, is that we are all to be obedient to the Lord. Let me say that again. We're all to be obedient to the Lord. It's not just for children It's and obeying their parents. It's, it's for every child of God. We're to be obedient to the Lord. Uh, we're to be obedient to the Holy Spirit's pleading, to the Word of God's heeding, and to the Lord Jesus' leading in our lives. I'm going to ask you to join me to, in uh, Deuteronomy chapter number 11 this morning. Deuteronomy chapter number 11. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 30 verse 2, it says, And shalt return unto the Lord thy God, and shalt obey His voice, according to all that I command thee this day, thou and thy children, with all thine heart, and with all thy soul. So we see in God's word here that we're all to be obedient to Him. I know we've all seen the bumper sticker. Uh, we've probably all heard this said before. It says, God says it, I believe it, that settles it. Anybody ever heard that before? We've heard that, but the fact of the matter is, is uh, it's a catchy saying, but the fact of the matter is, is that God doesn't need our approval. God says it, that settles it. Amen? God says it, that settles it. Many today think that they are the exception to the rule. Well, uh, and in reality, what they're, they don't come out and say this, but in reality, what they're saying is that uh, such and such applies to everyone else, but it doesn't apply to me. Well, it does apply to you. If God says it, it applies to you. It, re- it, replies, it applies to me. Uh, when God says something, our responsibility is obedience. Not when we want to. I, I know my children, uh, they hate when I use them as examples, but neither one of them are in here, so I'm going to go ahead and use them. But when I tell them to do something, I don't expect them to do it 10 minutes from now or an hour from now. Does anybody else have kids like that? I expect them to do it now. And I believe the same is true uh, of the Lord. When He tells us to do something, He doesn't expect us to wait until it's uh, our convenient time, but we're to do it immediately. Uh, Obedience is doing it immediately and, uh, and with a right heart attitude. So in Deuteronomy chapter number 11, in verse 27, I want to read a couple verses here and we'll start off with the message. Deuteronomy 11:27 The Bible says a blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you this day and a curse if you will obey not obey the commandments of the Lord your God but turn aside out of the way which I command you this day to go after other gods which ye have not known. Let's pray our heavenly Father Lord we do thank you for your love for your mercy and your grace Lord I do thank you for uh, Lord, how you are working in our hearts and our lives, how you are uh, convicting of sins. And Lord, I pray this morning that you will have your way and your will done in our hearts. Lord, if there's one here that doesn't know you, I pray that today will be the day of salvation. Lord, for those that are away from you this morning, Lord, I pray that you will convict hearts, that we, they, would, uh, they would get right with you this morning. Those that, uh, Lord, are living for you and doing the best that they can, Lord, I pray that you would continue to help them to uh, stay, be steadfast and uh, and uh, to uh, 
to walk in your ways. Lord, I do thank you again for all that you do. We'll give you the praise, the glory, and the honor that comes from it. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to read that again. Deuteronomy 11, 27. It says, A blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord, your God, which I command you this day, and a curse if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God. But turn aside out of the way, which I command you this day, to go after other gods which you have not known. Uh, the choice is obedience and disobedience. Each one of us in this room, we have a choice. Uh, to obey God or to disobey God, a blessing or a cursing. When we look at the book of Malachi, uh, this is the last book of the, uh, the Old Testament. In fact, it, it will be 400 years before the nation of Israel hears from the Lord again, and that's through uh, John the Baptist when he says this, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We find at the end of the Old Testament, the Jewish people thought they, they knew better than God. They thought they, they had it all figured out. And uh, why do we think that we know better than God? I mean, why do, we, why do we... You see, He's the one in control. He's the one that knows all things. He knows what's best for our lives. He knows uh, everything that's going on. See, everything that He says, we're to be obedient to. We're, it's not up for debate. Uh, I think... Like the children of Israel, we must have forgotten that the Lord knows and sees all things. David knew and understood this truth. He said in Psalm 139, verse 1, and, uh, 1, O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsittings and mine uprisings. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my past and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways for there is not a word in my tongue but lo O Lord thou knowest it altogether thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me such knowledge is too wonderful for me it is it is high I cannot attain unto it whither shall I go from thy spirit or whither shall I flee from thy presence if I ascend unto heaven thou art there if I make my bed in hell behold thou art there if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, Surely the darkness shall, right, uh, shall cover me, even the night shall be lit above me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from me, thee, but night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. The ruin of Israel... And the ruin of every nation can be, it starts with uh, some things. And I want to share those with you and then we'll get into the message. The first thing it starts with is a spiritual turning away. See if you find our nation in this. There's a spiritual turning away. This is where Israel started out and where every nation that will be judged by God uh, ever began. You see, this is where America began many years ago, I believe. God and His Word used to be a focal point uh, in most homes. It used to be a centerpiece. Uh, you couldn't walk into a, uh, uh, someone's house without seeing the family Bible on the coffee table. And uh, His Word was taught in our public schools as a curriculum many years ago. Many universities were founded on biblical truths and for the purpose of equipping preachers uh, for the ministry. 
You see, even this nation was founded on religious freedoms and religious principles. Many of our founding fathers were, uh, were Christians and believed in the one and true living God. You see, there is only one God, and that's the Lord God, Jehovah. The Bible says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me, and but we have turned away from God. We, there's been a spiritual turning of our nation, and, and the nation of Israel fell because of it. And all these nations that have ever fallen is because of, of their turning away from God. I have a burden for America because we have turned from the one and true living God. And it's sad to say that America is in religious apostasy right now, a spiritual turning away. But then I want you to notice number two, the second step is a moral turning away. It starts out spiritually, but then there's even a moral turning away. There's no question that America is in the midst of a moral drought. We're throwing every sense of decency out. We, we, see, in the, uh, we see it as a, a number of uh, abortions that are done on a daily basis. I read a poll. Now, I don't know if this is the, the most recent poll, but every 26 seconds, a baby is murdered. That's 137 per hour. That's over 3,300 per day abortions committed in America. That's without natural affection, folks. The Bible tells us, warns us, uh, that we'll be without, in the last days, uh, without natural affection. That's a love a mother has for her child. That's wrong. We see it in sodomy as normalized today. It's, it's not normal. God never intended for two men to be with uh, uh, each other or two women to be with each other. God never intended it that way. The Bible says in Romans 1.27, And likewise also men leaving the natural use of a woman burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meat. We see it in the passing of these ungodly laws that are trying to be passed with men uh, uh, being able to go into women's uh, bathrooms and locker rooms and the opposite. Folks, this is wrong. We are in a moral decay right now. I don't know if you see it or not, but I'm telling you, this is the downfall of America. This is, I, there's a spiritual turning away. There's a moral turning away. The Bible says uh, in Deuteronomy 22.5, The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on the woman's garment. For all that do so are an abomination unto the Lord thy God. I believe that the Bible is just as relevant today as it was back then. We hear it in the heathen music, the heathenistic music that is being played in, in our homes and in our cars and in our churches. But then I see there's a third step and this is a political turning away. Let me say again, this nation was founded on biblical truths. Many of the founding fathers were Christians. Any reasonable person can see that we are a heartbeat away from political collapse. I'm not saying Democrats, Republicans, Independents. I'm just saying right now, politically, we are in a mess, folks. Now, where is the problem? Is it in Washington? Is it in our inability to reform criminals? 
it sounds good to say that if we could just get folks to act nicely and not, not to be violent, to be honest and raise their moral standards, then all would be well with our land. Nothing will help our country until we see our turning away from God. We have turned away from God, folks. And I'm sounding the horn. I'm sounding it out loud. Folks, we need to turn back to God. Until we turn back to the true and living God, we will continue to plunge toward destruction. In the name of tolerance and separation of church and state, we are driving God completely out of our society. That is basically the introduction. America needs to get back to obeying God rather than man. Just because the law says it's okay to do doesn't mean this law says it's all right. It's better to obey God rather than man. We need to remember that. The Bible says in Romans 3, 4, God forbid, yea, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy saying, and thou mightest uh, overcome when thou art judged. I want to look at just a few things to see what God has to say about some things. What does God have to say? Number one, what does God have to say about sin? What does God have to say about sin? Can I tell you, sin hinders our prayer life. The Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. That's not me saying it. That's God's word saying, if I regard iniquity, iniquity is another term for sin. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. You see, sin not only hinders our prayer life, but sin drives a wedge uh, between our fellowship with God. The Bible says if we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, walk in sin... And we lie and do not the truth, but we, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. And then ultimately, sin causes death. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. Folks, we're all going to die. We're all going to die. You know why? Because we're sinners. We're sinners by choice and we're sinners by birth. I hear people say it all the time. Well, I think it doesn't matter what you think or how you feel. What matters is what God says. It's not up for debate. In, the, in God's Word, 413 times you'll find, Thus saith the Lord. And many of these times when God says it, it's dealing with a result of sin. Dealing with sin in people's life. We try to justify sin. We try to justify it. D.M. Hardison said this, that men have been changing sin's names into diseases. Who could blame someone for being sick instead of sinful? Do we not see that in our society today? Hey, what are we doing? Let me, let me, we're trying to uh, justify our sin by calling uh, 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 a lying a little white lie or a fabrication of the truth. I did that just uh, a few weeks ago or a few months ago when I was trying to uh, hide a, something from my wife. I was, was going to take her on a vacation. I was trying to hide it from her so she didn't know about it. 
And so I called her boss and tried to work out all the schedule and everything for her. And she says, well, aren't you a preacher? I said, well, it's okay if you fabricate the truth just a little bit. And uh, I was just kidding, of course. She knew I was a preacher. And I said, well, I just don't want her to know this. But we honestly, we try to, we, we try to change the name of uh, sin. And, and we say, oh, it's just a little white lie. No, folks, it's a lie. No matter how, how pretty we make it, it's still a lie and it's still sin. Folks, until we realize that sin is sin and sin is what caused uh, our Savior to suffer on the cross. You must realize that. Don't try to justify your sin by calling it something else. Or I, have, I have this disease, it's called alcoholism. No, the Bible's very clear about drunkenness. It says, wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Drunkenness is one of the leading killers or responsible for deaths in America. Let me say one, only by God's grace, I'm not a drunkard. Only by His grace. See, we've changed the name of uh, uh, saying it's alcoholism or being an alcoholic. No, you're a drunkard. Folks, we need to get right. You know, I, heard, I heard one man say this. He, he, uh, he was going to be, it was actually my old pastor, he was going to be on a, um, a jury. And uh, they asked him, is there anything that uh, would hinder you from being on this jury? He says, yeah. He says, I believe that I'm kind of biased. And he says, what do you mean by that? The judge said, he said, well, he says, uh, he said he wasn't drunk, but he said he had one, one beer. And he says if it takes him ten beers to get drunk, he's one-tenth drunk. He says, so I, th- I say he's guilty. See, folks, we try to, we try to uh, make it look all pretty and try to change the names of it, but sin is sin, folks. We need to get our hearts and lives right. What about this? We've changed the name of sodomy into being gay. God hates sodomy still. He judged the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah for that sin of sodomy. Sodomy is listed as an abomination. And an abomination is a sin that God wholly detests. In my research I found 17 sins or groups of sins expressly as abomination. Another one, what about this? We've changed murdering babies into an abortion. Abortion is nothing less than murder, folks. We justify our sin by making it normal, a normal way of life. This leads to the numbing of our conscience. It started, hey, let me tell you, it started way back with Three's Company. That's what I remember. Some of you may remember other things before that, but it's, it crept into our homes. And now, let, let, me, let me say, do we not see it on every program that's on TV today? We see this stuff, folks. We need to be aware of it. It's, it's sneaky. It's coming in our homes. It leads to a numbing. The majority of teenagers, they've done a research, the majority of teenagers have been, so, have been taught tolerance so long and so much that it's just a, a way of life and it's accepted to them. We need to stop allowing the liberals and our children to run our countries and our homes. Men, we need to get a backbone and become the men that God has set for us to be, the spiritual leaders that God has ordained us to be and be uh, biblical leaders. We need to get back to the Bible way of living. If God is against it, then we are against it as well. 
The average child sees nothing wrong with sin of disobedience, disrespect, or dishonesty. It's just a way of life. Isn't that good? Number two, what does God say about salvation? What does God say about some try to say that there are many roads to heaven, uh, many ways to get to heaven? But what does God say? It doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter what you say. But what does God say about salvation? John 14, 6 says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's only one way to heaven, folks. There's only one way. Jesus said, I am the way. He's the only way. He said, I am the truth. He's the only truth. He says, I am the life. Without him, we are dead in trespasses of sin. He is the only life. Jesus said, no man can come unto the Father but through him, through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not in, uh, you know, some try to say uh, that everyone will be saved in the end. Can I tell you, folks, that's a lie straight out of the pit of hell. Not everyone is going to be saved in the end. It's not, it, it does, the Bible says, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The Bible says, but this is a list of people that's going to be there. But the fearful and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Who are these people? These are all the people that rejected, did not accept the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. How fair would it be for someone to get saved, get his or her life changed and by salvation if everyone was going to be saved in the end. God is a righteous and a just God. That isn't how He works. God is not willing that any should perish, but the fact is, is that there are some that's going to perish. Salvation is a part of the gospel presentation. It is still the blood sacrifice and the death of the Lord Jesus Christ that still purchases men and women from the slave market of sin. It's still the blood sacrifice with the death of the Lord Jesus Christ that puts away the curse of sin. Death should, uh, death should not bring fear to the born-again believer. Why? Because this, this is not our home. You know, we have promise. The Bible says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If we're not so, I would have told you. Lo, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. See, it's still that resurrection of, the, of Christ from the dead that finalized our salvation. The Bible says that thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. I say this all the time. Where do, where do saved people go? Everybody in here could say saved people go to heaven. Amen. Well, where do unsaved people go? They go to hell. I'm not saying that with pride. I'm saying that with a burden in my heart for those that are going to die and spend eternity in hell. Some think, some think well, if I'm good enough, then I'll get to heaven. The Bible says they are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none good, no, not one. There's none good. Some think, well, as long as my good, like God has this big scale up in heaven. 
and as long as my good outweighs my bad, as long as my good outweighs my bad, then I'll be able to get to heaven. The Bible says, but we are all as unclean things and all of our righteousness as filthy rags. Folks, the good things that we do, those things that we do, listen to me, aren't going to get us to heaven. You could be better than the Pope. You can be better than anyone that ever walked on this earth and still die and go to hell. Well, some say, well, I'll work my way there. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If we could work our way to heaven, folks, we have something to glory in. But the fact of the matter is, is that we can't glory in anything except for Him and what He has done for us. Why do we think that we know better than the Lord? Why do we come up with all these different ways to get to heaven? There's only one way, and Jesus said He is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus had the final word at Calvary. He said, when Jesus, the Bible says, when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, He said, it is finished. What was finished? Salvation's plan. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Bible says He bowed His head and gave up the ghost. So what does God say about sin? Sin separates us from, from the loving Savior. We need to be saved. It separates us from fellowship with the Savior. What does God say about salvation? There's only one way to heaven. What does God say about the Scriptures? Some may say that the Bible is just another book. Can I tell you folks, this is no ordinary book. It's a divine book. You see, what does the Lord say about it? Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. This has been settled in heaven. The Bible says thy word is true from the beginning. And every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. The Bible says heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. The Bible says, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. The Bible says, I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Satan in the beginning tried to debate the word of God. He tries to cause doubt in the word of God. But folks, you can't debate the word of God and you can't doubt the word of God. It's settled forever and ever and ever. This is the reason why the Da Vinci Code is such a wicked tool that the devil's used to try to cause doubt and to debate the Word of God. Folks, you shouldn't watch that movie. Don't watch those things that try to belittle the Word of God. You're only tainting your mind. But then, number four, what does God have to say about separation? Now, I was saved in the 90s. Even then, I heard countless ser ser sermons on separation and standards. We're supposed to be different, folks. Our lives must be clean and without reproach. I've said this before, but many we're the only Bibles that some people read. The only Bibles that some people read. You know, God has a standard for which we're to live by. And the Word of God says in uh, Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. We hear very little these days about separation and about uh, uh, sanctification. But God has a standard. 
God has a standard for every way of life. He has a standard for our music. He has a standard for our dress. He has a standard for all these things. Why? Because we're not to be like the world. We're to be different than the world. See, it is a contemporary movement that is trying to lower the standards to supposedly win folks to Christ. God has a standard of separation. He has a standard for our friends. He has a standard for dealing with others. He has a standard for our conversation. God has a standard for all of our lives. I want to challenge you this morning to search your heart. Are you being obedient to the Lord? You know, it isn't up for debate. It isn't what, how you feel or what you think about things. What matters is what does God have to say about it? What does God say about my salvation? How, do, how is one to be saved? What does God have to say about sin? What does God say about my standards, the ways of life? See, in conclusion, it's time to quit thinking that we know better than God. Stop thinking for one moment that you know what's best for your life. Why don't we go to the creator of the universe, the creator of mankind, and see what God has to say. He has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him, through reading His Word. Folks, we have everything that we need in the Word of God. See, it's not only the lost that think they know better than the Lord. Saved folks think they know better than the Lord. Some saved folks think, well, you know what? This doesn't apply to me. I'm the exception to the rule. That only applies to those that are lost. Can I tell you, if you're saved, no. If you're saved, you're for sure going to heaven. If you're truly saved, there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Nothing's going to change that. But can I tell you, these things still apply to you. These things still apply to you. We're not the exception to the rule. A lot of times when we look out and we see people, we say, yep, we're really harsh on people that are sinners. But can I tell you, we're just as wicked as they are. We're saved by grace. It's the only difference. Every child of God should be submissive to the voice of God and listen to Him. You'll never be happy until you do so. If you're lost this morning, let me encourage you. Today's the day of salvation and now is the accepted time. Jesus Christ loved you so much. That he, sent his, that, that he went to the cross to die for your sins. I know that I don't take for granted that every person in here is saved. Can I tell you if there's one in here that doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior today, harden not your heart. Say, boast not yourself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. You're here and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. May today be that wonderful day. Of salvation. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. What does God say about sin? What does God say about salvation? What does God say about the scriptures? And what does God say about standards and separation? The Bible says, Come out from among you and be ye separate. We're a peculiar people. I encourage you to find a place at the altar. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I don't know for sure. 
I heard the message this morning, but I just don't know for sure if I was to die today. I don't know for sure that I'd go to heaven. Pastor, pray for me. Would you pray for me? Just raise your hand. No one else is looking around. I just want to pray for you. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I just don't know for sure if I was to die right now. Anyone like that? Would you raise your hand? Anyone? Maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I'm saved, but I haven't been living for God like I should. God has a standard and I haven't been living for God like I should. Pastor, pray for me. There's some things in my life that's just not right. Anyone like that? Would you raise your hand? No one else is looking. I just want to pray for you. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace. Lord, I thank you for your word, how you give us a standard to live by. Lord, how you sh- what you've said about sin, how we know that sin separates us. Sin bringeth forth death. And Lord, we know what you say in your scriptures, that they're settled forever. Lord, I ask, Lord, if there's one here that doesn't know you, that today would be the day of salvation. Lord, that you would convict their heart. Let them realize it. They don't need to leave this place till they get that settled in their heart. Lord, for those that there's some areas in their life that's just not right, I pray folks that, uh, that uh, folks would come to this altar and get things right with you this morning. Lord, do a work that only you can get the credit for. We give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Brother Adam's going to begin playing softly. I'm going to encourage you to find a place at the altar. God has dealt with you this morning. I encourage you to find a place. Would you stand to your feet as God has dealt with you? In that same motion as God has dealt with you, won't you come and find a place at the altar? Maybe there's some sin in your life that you've you've tried to justify it by calling it something else or by becoming numb to it. It's okay because everybody else is doing it. No, that doesn't make it okay.
Thank you. You may be seated. Let me give you a few announcements as the men come forward, take up this morning's tithes and offerings. If you're visiting with us, I hope that you got a visitor's card. If you would, put that in the offering plate, just so we have a record of your attendance. Again, thank you for being here this morning visiting here at Putnamville Baptist Church. I want to give you a couple announcements. Next Sunday uh, in our PM service, Missionary Jong will be with us from the, uh, the Philippines and looking forward to him being with us. And then the following Sunday, uh, we're going to have a teen service and the PM service and looking forward to that. Then Friday, March the 30th, uh, we're going to have a Good Friday service here at our church. Uh, Brother Wes McClure is going to be preaching. Uh, Brother Burt Bunner's uh, church is going to be doing the special music and the choir and things such as that. And uh, we're going to provide the facilities this year. And then next year we're going to switch it up. And uh, we haven't went that far yet, but uh, that's what we're going to do. And then so you plan on being here Good Friday uh, on at 7 o'clock here at our church. And then on Sunday, April the 1st, we're going to have a sunrise service that's going to be at 7.30 in the morning. What we'll do is we'll have a uh, probably a 30-minute service or so, and then we'll have, after the service, we'll have pr uh, breakfast, and uh, it's a pitch-in breakfast. If, um, I want to encourage everyone to come out for that. And then after that, we'll have Sunday school, and then we'll have a.m. service, and then no p.m. service on Resurrection Sunday. All right, so just so you mark your calendars for that. Then Saturday, April the 7th, is our prayer breakfast. And then Friday and Saturday, want uh, a couple um, married couples retreat on uh, uh, let's see April the 27th and 28th. Cost is $150. There's a sign-up sheet on the back table. Please sign up for that. Uh, we need to get the names. In. When do we have to have the names in for sure? By the end of the month, but no later than the end of the month. So please make sure that you sign up for that. All right. I uh, want to give you a couple other announcements. Our missionary of the week, Brother Frank Gillespie, a missionary to uh, Mexico. And then uh, deacon of the week, Brother Travis Ivers. Our family of the week, Brother David, Miss Hannah, and Evelyn Lippert. And then our uh, trustee of the week, Brother Jack Schaus. Remember these folks in your prayers if you would. All right. Brother Eli, sir, would you please ask a blessing? Thank you for getting us all here safely this morning. Thank you for giving Pastor the words to say. Help us to apply to our daily lives. Please bless us to give and give her this offering. This is not great. Amen. Thank you for being here. Come back tonight and see what the Lord has for us this evening. I'm going to ask Brother Travis Ivers, sir. Please close us in a word of prayer. We thank you for your precious word. God speaks to our hearts. Lord, we pray that you help each one of us to want to obey you every day and Lord, to walk in your ways. And Lord, we thank you for uh, each and every person that came out this morning. We pray that you would 
watch over them, guide and direct them, bring them back at the point in time. All these things we ask in your blessed and holy name.